Before we approach God's word together, I just want to say what a blessing it is to be in such a beautiful sanctuary. Yes, for the past 16 years as an ordained pastor, I've only served rural churches where the high number of 15 gets me excited. <laughs> but I heard my call when I was living in New York City and started back to church in a big Fifth Avenue church. And just to hear the choir, I cannot thank you enough, and the organ, I love organ music, and so to hear the, the soaring organ sounds, it just brought me back to when God tapped me on the shoulder and with the crazy whisper saying, hey, psst, I want you to serve me in the church. I'm like, what? No. So I just, it is beautiful to be in such a setting once again, because it's been a long time since I've been in such a setting. So thank you for welcoming me here, and, and thank you for blessing me with such beautiful music. Our reading this morning is going to be from 1 Samuel, and we're in chapter 17, beginning at verse 32. Hear now God's word. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, You are not able to go against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior since his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and I rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic, and he tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, and he chose five smooth stones from the stream. He put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. Meanwhile, the Philistine, with his shield-bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give you your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands and strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know 
that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead, and he fell face down on the ground. This is the word of the Lord. As I mentioned, I've only served rural churches, and one of my first churches was on the border of Vermont in upstate New York. And I wasn't there very long, but we created an after-school program called Faith-Filled Fridays. And so it was a lot of fun. We would have, you know, um, a scripture lesson. We would have snacks. We would have activities, almost like a one-day vacation Bible school every week. And that day, the mother suggested, why don't we do a story about David and Goliath? And she came up with the idea of having a scavenger hunt with the five stones, the five smooth stones. And so she named each stone as to what David might have needed to approach the the giant, Goliath. Trust, obedience, hope, faith, strength. And she named them, she wrote them down, and then we decided to hide them outside, all on the church property. Now, it was always fun when the time came for the children to come from school, which was right up the road, and come to our church in the middle of the village. It was fun to watch because I saw how the different ages came to the church. The young ones, they came running down the street, yay, Faithful Fridays, woo! The not-so-young ones, maybe the third, fourth, fifth graders, they sort of tried not to run, so they were sort of skipping, because, you know, it was too cool. They were too cool to show that they were still excited to go, right? And then you got the older ones, the teenagers. They were our helpers, and they would be kind of like, oh, Faithful Fridays, okay, here we are. What fun. But I knew, I knew deep down inside, they wanted to be there because they kept coming every, every week. So it was fun to watch. So we told the kids, you're not going inside the church right now. You'll get your slingshot snacks later. Yes, we had slingshot snacks. You take two pretzel rods and some licorice sticks, um, rope, and you tie it around. And, and the stone, the stone, it was a donut hole, chocolate or vanilla. But before you got to that, I said to them, you have a scavenger hunt. You've got to find these stones. And we told them that the stones were named. So it began. The kids got so excited. And you hear them running around, and you hear the excitement when a little boy reaches up onto a tree branch. I have strength. I have strength. And you hear other people, I found courage. I found trust. And it was just going on, and the excitement, and they're screaming, and they're finding the stones. So I looked at my watch, and we're right on schedule for everything else we had to do. Well, all of a sudden, there was a lull. It started to get quiet. And they're like really looking around and they're looking in the bushes and the weeds. And, and, and I'm like, how many stones have you found? And they screamed back, four. And I'm like, which stones have you found? And they named them off. I said, well, you have one more stone. One more you need to search for. That's when one little boy asked, Pastor Donna, what's the name of the stone we're looking for? 
And I shouted, you're looking for faith. Now, mind you, they're outside. Now, mind you, it's a small rural village. The part I didn't tell you is that the Methodist church was two doors down from me. And everyone in that rural village gets their mail at the post office, which I didn't mention was right across from the church. And lo and behold, that very moment, who decides to get her mail? The Methodist pastor. The kids are running around the yard shouting at the top of their lungs, we can't find faith. Oh my gosh, that's horrible. Really? We've lost faith. Oh my gosh, where is it? Faith, where are you? Faith, faith. Oh my goodness. And one boy finally shouted, Pastor Donna, we've lost faith. (laughs) I stood there on the step of the church looking over at the post office, and there was the Methodist pastor looking back at me with a big smile on her face. And she gave me a little wave, and I gave her a little wave. And then I said, kids, come on in. We're over, we're done with this now. Come on, come on. But we haven't received faith yet. You don't need to find faith, I shouted. I finally got the kids in, and I could only imagine what the the church sign on the Methodist church would be changed to. Lost faith at the Presbyterian church? Come join the Methodists, 1030. (laughs) So we went on with the rest of the lesson, and you know what? We never found that faith stone. It perplexed us. The mother and I that, that made those stones and hit them, we could not find that stone. And for the life of us, we have no idea what happened to it. The mother has a beautiful theory, and she said, you know, perhaps without us realizing it, someone in the village found it and didn't know what it was all about and and picked it up. Pastor, isn't it nice to, to know that there is someone in this village who found faith? And who's walking around with it. It is really a nice thing to think about, isn't it? I mean, that's why we are all called to, to shine our Christ lights. To lead others to faith. To give someone who we don't even realize might need faith. And so I like that, that we never found the faith rock. But I have to admit, I have a problem with the David and Goliath story. It is a popular one to share with children in all religions. It's not just in the Christian faith, but in all religions, they have the David and Goliath story, which tells us that the, it's a universal problem trying to tackle our giants. They're out there, those giants, those problems, those, those obstacles, those things that loom over us, that threaten us, that make us fearful. It doesn't matter how old you are, there's always a giant in our life that we seem to need to tackle. I have a problem with the story, not because it seems to be so violent for children. I have a problem because we always focus on the victory, don't we? 
We always share with the children that moment that David is victorious, like, yes, the giant fell, yay! And we focus on the winning. But we never seem to touch on the part of the story that we just gloss right over. That part where David prepares himself to face the giant. And I think it's that part of the story that we need to really teach our children how to prepare, what to do when that giant comes into your life. Scripture tells us that Saul wanted to put David in his armor. Come on, little boy, come here, here. Here's the, the helmet that's too big for you. Here's the shield that's too big for you. Strap on that sword. And it's quite comical how David couldn't walk around in it, isn't it? I can just imagine this little boy with this like big armor on him and like, clanking around, hitting into things. And David had enough sense to say, no, this is not the way it's going to be. Not the way it's going to be. And that very fact that he took that armor off is a lesson for us as well. That when we are facing a giant, isn't it true that so many people want us to put their armor on? They have advice for us, right? How to do it. Here, you have a giant to face. I'll tell you what to do. Come here. Come here and I'll share with you. And we never turn to God first. We don't know how God wants us to face a situation. We're always putting on or facing our challenges in a way that perhaps our mothers taught us to do, or our fathers, or whatever. And it might not fit the situation. It might not be what God is asking of us. So don't put on somebody else's armor. It's a lesson that we never share with the children. It's a lesson that we as adults don't remember. Don't take on someone else's armor. It's not going to work. And the other part that David did to prepare to fight his giant, he went to the stream. He went to the stream and he reached in to get the five smooth stones. Now the Hebrew word for stream means to inherit. The root of that word actually means to inherit. So in a way, David is like reaching into the living waters, God's living waters, to inherit a promise that God will be with him. God will help him. And so he reaches into the stream and he gets five stones. Now, why five? Scripture doesn't tell us exactly why five stones. A lot of people would say to me, but pastor, yeah, I want to know why it was five. Because if we are to have such trust and faith in God, if David had such trust and faith in God, wouldn't you just have one stone? Why does God need a backup? I, I don't have the answer for you. I don't have the answer, but I can say this, that perhaps the five stones can represent the, the Torah, the law of Moses. Yes, there are ten commandments, but they were on two tablets. The first five, love God. The second five, all about love your neighbor. So maybe the five stones were representing the law of Moses. Love God with all your heart and all your might and love your neighbor as yourself. Love. Or perhaps some people said it is as simple as five stones representing David's four brothers and the fifth one, David. I'm not sure. But the five stones were not named as we named them for the children. We're not told what they represented. So when we taught the children about this, I gave them each a stone 
that wasn't written on. Nothing was written on, no faith or strength or courage. And I invited them, the children, to choose their word. What would they put on their stone? What did they need right now in this moment? Was there somebody's school picking on them? Were they struggling with some class? Whatever it might have been. In the village that I served, there were a lot of people that were unemployed and hunger and loved drug problems. So I invited the children to take a stone and write what their word would be. What would your word be? Because right now, right now, I can guarantee there is a Goliath in your life. I know I have one right now. There's always giants that we need to overcome. There are always giants that we need to battle. The giant of fear for tomorrow. The giant of of how am I going to care for my elderly parents? The giants of how am I going to pay the grocery bills? The, the giants of just the world, how crazy it is, and all the fighting and safety for our families and our, our children. There's always something in our way that is going to weigh us down. There's always something that is there asking us to, to confront and stand tall, but not with armor, not with a sword, not to retaliate. Not to sink down to other people's levels and, and, and shoot back hateful, hurtful words. But to do what David did, take off the armor, be vulnerable, put your hands into the living water, take that stone, name it, and then bravely face your challenge, face your Goliath, knowing that the battle is the Lord's. You come with a sword, I come in the name of God. What would your stone be named this very day? What do you need to face your Goliath? Whatever it is, know God will provide. A few years later, I left that church and one of the little boys that were part of Faithful Fridays, he was on a hike and, and he found a stone. And so for my goodbye gift, he came to my office one day and he said, Pastor Donna, I want to give you something to take with you. And I opened it up and it, it was a stone. <laughs> he goes, I know it doesn't replace the faith stone that we never found, but I thought you could use this. And I remembered what you told us that day, Pastor Donna. I remembered what you told us that while we named our stones that day, that oftentimes in our lives, we'll probably have to rename it. And so that's why I left your stone blank. I left your stone blank because I don't know what you need right now. And so you name it. And I hope that that in some way replaces the faith that we lost. <laughs> I thanked him, and I carried that stone with me to every church I served. It now sits on my fireplace mantle in my home in Vermont. But I've never, ever written a word on it. 
It's been years with that stone, and it has remained unnamed. Because I realized many times in my life, I've needed different things from God. Right now, I think it's courage. And so my friends, take off the armor. Know whatever you face, you come in the name of the Lord and the battle is his. I invite you to, to imagine yourselves right now dipping down into living waters. Feel the coolness of that water. Grab hold of a stone. Do you have it? Using your imaginations, feel that stone. Feel how smooth it is. Now clasp your hand and hold tight to it. And name it. Name what you need right now from God. Name it. Be bold. Ask, knowing God will answer. Thanks be to God. Amen.